let's stand together, everybody, and let's sing this song. All right, let's worship. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Whom the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child of 
Amen. We are all, isn't that something? That, ooh, that just ought to fill us up. We're a child of the King, y'all. We are a child. We're chosen. Child, heir to the throne. Amen, amen. Let's worship. Continue with that. Sounds good this morning. Lift it up. We just sang of his greatness. We're going to sing of his goodness now, all right? The goodness of God. Till I lay my head, I will sing. 
how many of us can say how blessed we are, how much God has done for us? Amen. Woo. Amen. Even, even with everything that's going on around us, even more so, even more so, when, when it's the darkest, when Satan is, is, is the hottest on our trail, is when God is the, is the strongest and stands out the most. Amen. Can we deny that? No, no, we can't. No, we can't. I'm going to change gears a little bit, this is, but it's okay to change gears. I want you to think about as we sing this. We're just, we're just going to do like a verse and a chorus of, of this song, but I want you to, as we sing, think about how good God's been to you, all the blessings that he's given you, all right? Think about those things, and if you want to praise, you want, hey, I'll run you a microphone. If you just, preachers, he's, he's flipping out right now. But if you want to testify, if you want to share something that God's done for you, I, that's okay. We'll take a few minutes. I'll, I'll take a song out, all right? Let's just do this about this tempo, honey. That's my wife, honey. <laughs> Count you. All right. Dear God, we, we thank you. God, we, we love you. God, we are thankful for the blessings that you have given us. So many. God, more than we can even count. Blessings that we don't even know about. God, blessings that you have prepared for us. We're thankful for those blessings. God, we're thankful that you rose out of that grave like a roaring lion declaring that death doesn't have a hold on us anymore. Because if we believe and we trust in you, there's a way. You've made a way for us. That's perhaps the greatest blessing of all. And we're thankful for that. God, bless this time of worship. God, let us continue to, to, pour, let us continue to pour our praise God, and lift up in thanksgiving your name today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Listen, this, uh, I love this song. Kenny does a great job on it. It's, it's, the title of it is The Promise. And if you're not careful... It's confusing as you listen to the words, who is this song talking about? This song isn't talking about 
The only who it's talking about is, is, is Jesus and in the, in the form of his promise. It's talking about the promise, okay? So don't get lost in the phrase. Just remember, every, everything it says is about all the things that Jesus, a lot of the things that we're promised in God's word. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it's, uh, it's coming to fruition. But like the song says, just hold on because he's on his way. Amen. Love this song, the promise. And, and listen, you want to worship sitting down, that's all good. But we get to that chorus, if y'all can't stand up, something might be wrong. Okay? <laughs> the promise. Watching you holding on for me through the waiting and the wonder. Somehow you still believe if your faith is strong, someday you will find it may not be like you expected. But I will come to you in a perfect time. You may be waiting for the fire when I'm calling through the rain. You may be listening for thunder while I'm whispering your name. You may be searching for a sign to let you know. a sacrifice for 40 years I walked with Moses through the wilderness of life I came to Bethlehem I saw them crucify the lamb and as I rolled away the stone I heard him say
choir comes down, let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your greatness. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father, that you are true to every promise you've ever made. So, God, you just be with us and help us to continue in this spirit of worship this morning as we glorify you and lift you up with the word this morning. Be with our pastor as he brings it to us today. Keep us mindful of you and everything we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has your heart already been blessed this morning as we lifted up the name of Jesus? We were reminded of all the things we ought to be thankful for. And evidently nobody told y'all that the two least attended Sundays in America are the Sunday before and after Thanksgiving. I'm glad you didn't listen to that and you were here today. Man, what a blessing already. For the child of God, every day of our lives ought to be Thanksgiving. Amen. Every day ought to be Thanksgiving. We put that day on the calendar. There's nothing wrong with that to, to remember the, all the blessings, the founding of our country, the, all the blessings in our own lives. But as a child of God, when I ponder my salvation, it just makes everything else pale in comparison. I can't help but be thankful, knowing who I am for all of sin that fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. I deserve to already be in hell even today. The fact that I'm born again, going to heaven, there's nothing you can do about it. That ought to make me the most thankful guy on earth, and it ought to do the same thing for you. Amen? And we have an eternal perspective. But sadly, Sadly, so many professing believers sometimes do the opposite of giving thanks. We sometimes like to complain about everything and gripe and complain and then wonder why when we share the gospel, folks aren't interested. We gripe and complain and wonder why we invite them to church, they're not interested in that. Heard about a, a city up north somewhere that had a sign as people came into the city. It said, welcome to the home of 30,000 friendly people and a few soreheads. Well, if we're honest, all of us are sore heads at certain times, right? If we're not careful, I confess I was last night during the so-called football game that happened. It should have been a blowout, and it was not, so I had to, to check my spirit there. Without an attitude of gratitude, without an attitude of gratitude, we're going to miss the meaning of Thanksgiving. I'm excited about being with my family. I'm excited about eating my mama's dressing and pecan pie, gluten-free for me. I'm excited about all of that, but I don't want to miss the gist of what just Thursday is about every day of my life is about. Complaining is an outward expression of an inward problem. Complaining is an outward expression of a heart that is not thankful. Now, I know none of you here today, none of you watching online, none of you have a problem with complaining. I know that. But you might know somebody else who does, right? Seems like people in this society, we are so spoiled, are we not? I mean, I think about going to, to Russia, my first international mission trip, and how even in the snow, I wasn't there in the snow, thank the Lord, but in times when there's snow on the ground, they would stand up, you know, 10, 20, 30 people deep outside because they couldn't get inside to worship. The times I've been to preach in Brazil, and I'm just pouring sweat, I'm soaking wet, not a dry stitch on me, and the sides of the buildings kind of roll up like a garage door, and the church is there, and all the cars going by blowing the horns, and the dogs barking, and they're just glad to be in church. Doesn't faze any of them. We sit in our air-conditioned buildings, and we sit in a country where we want everything handed to us on a silver platter, where everybody gets a trophy just for showing up and participating. We're conditioning children not to live in real life, amen? Everybody don't get a trophy. Everybody doesn't get the promotion. Everybody 
everybody doesn't get the raise. We're, we're conditioning people for the wrong things. And, and unfortunately, even our own government has conditioned people. You just sit back and we'll do everything to take care of you. And when we're spoiled like that, it makes us quick to complain when things don't go our way. And we're slow to give praise back to God, the giver of all blessings. And sadly, that same attitude, if we're not careful, has infiltrated many American churches today. In fact, for some people, it can be said that uh, complaining is like a way of life. And there's a lot to complain about, amen? I mean, there's a lot to complain about. Well, right now, hey, I'm praising the Lord for nice weather, but you let it get below 70, and if I'm just, I don't care for that. If I focus on it, I can gripe about it because I don't like cold weather. I don't like it when my sports team doesn't do good. I don't like it when I have to put on a stinking mask to come to church or to go anywhere else. I don't like it when, when things don't go right in the world politically. We don't even know who's going to be leading our country for the next four years, but I do. Can I tell you I do? And his name is Jesus. He's still on the throne, and he will not be mocked and I'm just praying for truth to prevail in all of that but people will always let you down Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever so complaining in many churches is kind of like the respectable sin it's okay to do that <clears throat> you might not go out and get drunk tomorrow night you might not commit adultery or kill anybody but complaining is kind of like a, a respectable sin and if we're not careful we can all be guilty of that those of us who are prone to complaining that is the opposite of thanksgiving now we know what thanksgiving is i hope you know what thanksgiving is and everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you we just looked at that as we went through first thessalonians so i want to challenge us and guard us beginning with the preacher this morning what is the opposite of thanksgiving turning your bibles if you will to the book of numbers the old testament book of numbers chapter number 11. Uh, get the picture here you remember god had greatly blessed the children of israel he had brought them he had delivered them supernaturally out of slavery he had let them serve survived through the plagues that he sent he protected them against their enemies he supernaturally provided bread and water for them and yet they still dadgum complained they complained about the imaginary blessings they thought they had when they're back in slavery he wanted to go back to that they complained about the leaders that god gave them they complained about everything forgetting what god has done when we start to complain about stuff we're forgetting what god has done in our own life and when they started to complain about the supernatural manna that God had provided it was almost like he said that's the last straw y'all need to wake up call numbers chapter number 11 and verse 1 would you please rise if you're physically able and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's word numbers chapter 11 and verse number 1 soon the people began to complain about their hardship and the Lord heard everything they said he hears everything I say too by the way he knows every thought I have, by the way. He, he, he heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Father, I pray that you will fine-tune my heart this morning, you will fine-tune our hearts this morning, that we, among all people on the face of planet Earth, would be the most thankful people of all. Even when things may not go our way, you have rescued us, you've redeemed us, you've bought us off the slave market of sin, my chains are gone, I've been set free, and you've guaranteed a home in heaven for me. Lord Jesus, in light of all of that, I pray every day of my life would be a day of thanksgiving. Guard our hearts against complaining this morning. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. 
As you came in today, you should have been given a copy of a worship guide. On the back of that, there's a little outline. If you're watching online, it'll be there on your screen. Some things about the opposite of thanksgiving, which of course is complaining. Number one, write this down. Complaining denies God's power. Complaining denies God's power. God had allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt. He allowed them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. He allowed them to see their enemies destroyed behind them, things that would never, ever be humanly possible. There's so many things that can only be attributed to holy God. In fact, the fact that my heart beats another time, that's only because God allowed it to. The fact that I was able to come and worship today is only because God allowed me to. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, The people of Israel also begin to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. If they were Baptists, they'd say fried chicken. Verse 5, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Didn't cost us nothing. They were slaves. They're thinking about the food they had as slaves. We had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. I don't want none of that. Verse 6, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Woe is me, God. You supernaturally provide stuff for us. And all we see is this manna. Verse 8 says the people would go out and gather it from the ground because God supernaturally put it there. They made flour by grinding it in, with hand mills or pounding it in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. And they wanted cucumbers, leeks, and garlic when God supernaturally provided these delicious pastries for them. Verse 10, Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? They complained about the food, and now God's man's griping about it like it's all on him or something. Have mercy on me, Moses said. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Verse 14, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. Good for you. We need to realize we can't do things on our own. That's why we lean on the Lord Jesus. Verse 15, Moses whined, if this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me all. All this misery, the man of God that God had used to lead these people is now right there leading the charge, griping and complaining for people who turned down fresh baked pastries for cucumbers, leeks, garlics, and onion. I don't want a single thing on that list, do you? Some of you do. I'll eat the cucumbers if they're pickled, but other than that, no thank you. They were longing for stuff that is nasty. Like the Israelites, when they whined and complained, they gave everything evidence that they were not thankful. When we whine and complain, we give evidence that we are not thankful people. I love some of the um, supernatural, not supernatural, the sanctified sarcasm of God in Job chapter number 38. When you're a holy God, you can say what you want, and God just kind of sent him a message in Job 38 and verse 4 to people who are complaining. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Verse 12, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dew to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? Verse 16, have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? People who are griping and complaining against holy God, have you seen the gates of utter gloom? 
Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. I can just picture a holy God folding his arms and I right, go ahead, big boy, tell me about all these things if you can. If you know so much, tell me how that happened. Verse 19, where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? Are we in a better position to decide things than holy God? Now, she's not here today. Anita Wilson, her husband, Tom, is still recovering with some difficulties breathing from COVID. But Anita said something to me that I've not gotten over yet recently. When we're talking about the situation in the world and how we wouldn't pick things the way they are, Anita Wilson said to me, Mike, I wouldn't have chosen for Joseph in the Old Testament to be sold into slavery either, but it was part of God's plan. We might not like the things that are going on in the world today, but I don't know that it may be part of God's plan. You've heard me say I'm of the opinion I believe that COVID, this is just my opinion, I can't prove it, but I believe COVID is a plague, just like the plagues of the Old Testament, and it was not sent for no reason. It's sent to get the attention of the Israelites in the Old Testament. I believe God's trying to get the attention of his church right now. We've been dealing with this mess since what, February or March, and we haven't seen worldwide revival yet, so maybe God is turning up the heat for us to face more. I don't know, but if it was God's will for Joseph to be sold into slavery, who am I to tell God, you ain't doing this thing right, God, you need to listen to me. When we focus on our present difficulties, we ignore the power of God. Remember the, the dear saint of God, Corey Ten Boom? She was a Dutch watchmaker and a believer. We got to see the vice president just the other day, and he quoted Corey Ten Boom as well. She wrote this little poem that says this, My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. You know what a weaving looks like? On the top it's a beautiful design, but underneath it's just a mangled pile of threads that make no sense. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needed in the, will for, in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares, nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. It's okay to state our opinions. It's okay to stand up for right and wrong. It's okay to stand up for truth and justice. But when all is said and done, where is our trust? Is our trust in man? Is our trust in government? Is our trust in a church? Our trust better be in a holy God because all those other things can disappoint us. Complaining denies the reality of my life verse, which you know is Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. And we know I don't think it, I don't hope it, I don't wish it, and we know that God allows all things, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things, the hurtful things, God allows all things to work together for good, not to everybody, the verse doesn't end there, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you are a child of God, no matter how bad things may get in this world or in your personal world, God will work all things together for your good and his glory. And God never wastes a hurt. I'm telling you, God, whatever hurt you have right now, if you will put that in the master's hands, he will use that for his glory and allow your hurt not to be wasted so you can minister to somebody else who goes through the same thing. And you know, God destroyed people for complaining. And it's recorded in these 66, what we call love letters of Scripture. 
People say, well, I don't like to think of God that way. God's a God of love. Somebody said this to me online the other day. Now, I don't think God's sent a plague to judge us. Well, read your Bible. If we read our Bibles, it will cure much of our ignorance. If God judged his chosen people, Israel, if God, if God chose to send plagues and judgment on Israel, who are we to think God's not going to judge our sin? There was a missionary who was walking along a trail with jungle natives in Africa, when suddenly one of, the, one of the natives there pulled out his gun and shot right near the missionary's ear. He said, what in the world are you doing? He said, dude, there was a big old giant snake right there, and if I didn't shoot it, that thing could have killed you. They kept walking through the jungle, the missionary having never been there before, and all of a sudden one of the natives stop, said, stop, stop, stop. He said, look over there. You see that? He said, I see a bunch of leaves and looks like some big stones. He said, man, that is a leopard over there. And so then that missionary said, I walk on the same path as you. You see the snake. You point out what looks to me like shadows and stone, and it becomes a leopard. Why can't I see those things? The wise native replied, you got to get your bush eyes. If you stay in the jungle or the bush long enough, you develop what they call bush eyes. If you and I do not choose to be deliberately thankful, we will never develop God eyes. God wants us to see things through his eyes. And only when I see things through the, the Holy Spirit and God's eyes can I be able to avoid and resist the temptation to complain. And when we look through God's eyes, then you can see God's blessings. You can see how God is working when other people just see leaves and rocks and sticks in the road. I remember, well, I really don't remember which trip it was from one of my first mission trips I went on internationally and they trained us to prayer walk. I'd never done that before. I'd heard of it. I thought, well, you just walk along and you just pray. And they said, no, guys, as you walk, look around. God will show you things as you walk to remind you of how to pray. When you see a bird up there singing, why don't you just stop and praise God that he put a melody in your heart when he saves your soul. When you feel the gentle breeze, the wind blowing, thank God for the wind of the Holy Spirit. When you see that big old ball in the, in the sky, the sun shining brightly, thank God that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Those missionaries were training us Americans to have God eyes to pray as we walk along the road of life. Number two, write this down. I need to roll to complaining can destroy unity in the church. Complaining destroys unity in the church. By the way, I have no axe to grind. I'm not preaching this uh, for airline. This is the most loving church I know of anywhere. But when you are the most loving church, and we hear that all the time, and that's affirmed all the time, we never will let our guard down that we become like so many churches in America today. Number two, complaining destroys unity in the church. In Numbers 13, the Lord told Moses to send some spies to scout out the land. you remember this story? Well, if you don't look at it, Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, and even if you do remember it, it's good to review it. Numbers 13 and verse 30, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. There you go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the other men who'd explored the land with him disagreed. They might have been a group of Baptists in a committee. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. Who told them to go? God? God's not going to call you to do something he does not equip you to do. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. They allowed a complaint 
to be greatly exaggerated. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1, is that thing spread like a cancer or that thing spread like coronavirus? No, worse than coronavirus. Numbers 14 and verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud. They cried all night, a bunch of crybabies. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron, the human instruments God used to bring them to deliverance. If only we died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. You want to die as a slave you want to die in the wilderness instead of trusting God for his promises that's what they were doing verse 3 why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt now none of us in this building have ever been a slave but go back and just read what it was like for them in slavery, making those bricks and how they kept intensifying the load. And all of a sudden, they want to go back to be slaves again. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse 4, then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. When people start to gripe and complain, the easiest target is the one who's leading the charge. Have we ever been guilty of exaggerating the problems in our lives? i got to confess and say at times I've done that. I've given in to that. In chapter 14 and verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? Now, they were treating Moses and Aaron with contempt, but ultimately they were treating God with contempt. Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, the bad attitude started to spread and infect all the rest of them. In fact, look at verse number 26 of Numbers 14. We're just kind of getting an overview here. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints Israelites are making against me, God says. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who's 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land, the promised land, I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Drop down to verse 33. And your children better be careful because those curses can get passed on to our children. Your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they'll pay for your faith, faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. That's what they asked God for. They asked God to do it, and God said, all right, you asked for it, I'm going to give it to you. Verse 35, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who's conspired against me. They'll be destroyed here in the wilderness, and here they will die. The ten men Moses had sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with all that griping and complaining and their bad report, they were struck dead with the plague right before the Lord. Of the twelve who'd explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. So the ten spies started complaining, spread to the whole congregation, and they started complaining. Moses, their leader, he started complaining. Complaining and griping can spread like wildfire. You ever notice... And a pack of dogs, if one starts to bark, they all bark. If there have been a bunch of frogs, one starts to croak, they all croak. Sadly, sometimes if one Baptist starts to gripe and complain, others around them will do the same thing, just like a dog or a frog. Let me ask you this question. Do we complain because we got a lot of problems, or do we have a lot of problems because we complain? 
Chew on that for just, I'm going to say it one more time. Do we complain because we have a lot of problems, or do we have a lot of problems because we complain? And when we complain, we're focused on the negative and not on all the blessings of God. Complaining amplifies that frustration and spreads disunity amongst other people. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things. He says that for emphasis. He detests haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, i.e. abortionist, verse 18, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. I believe whether that be a physical family or even a church family. Number three, write this down. Complaining, this may be the worst thing about it, it discredits our witness for Jesus. Complaining discredits our witness for Jesus. We can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. We can sing, count your many blessings. But we can walk out of here and gripe and complain about our church and having to wear a mask. And I ain't going to that church because they wear a mask. Or I ain't going to that church because not everybody does wear a mask. All the things we complain about. And you're going to invite somebody to come up in here and think they're going to come be a part of that? Are you going to share the gospel with somebody when we have a negative, complaining, critical, bitter spirit? Listen, lost people don't want any of that. But when we're filled with thanksgiving and the joy of the Lord, and like the children's song says, I got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free, I got a river of life flowing out of me. That attracts people to Jesus. It attracts people. Jesus says we ought to go out of here and live and do good works, not so people will brag on airline. He he says, so they'll, so they'll glorify my Father who is in heaven. We ought to do what we do. We ought to guard our complaining mouth and glorify the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2, 14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that nobody can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. People out there are hurting. Pastor Mike said it earlier, in times of darkness, that's when the light shines the greatest. People are hurting, people are confused, and as uncomfortable as 2020 has been for, I guess, all of us, aren't you glad you know Jesus? Amen? Aren't you glad when we couldn't even come to church together and we're scrambling, Pastor Mike's working himself to death to upgrade this equipment so we can get, it, get the word out. When we couldn't come to church and even worship together, when our stewardship team had to meet, by the way, you'll be, you can, if you didn't get it in the mail, there's a copy of our ministry plan you can pick up on the way out to prayerfully consider. We'll vote on that in just a few weeks. How in the world do you plan a ministry plan for 2021 when nobody knows what in the world is going on? You got the Holy Spirit and you got prayer and we trust the Lord. When all these things are happening, happening and you don't know whether you're going to keep your job or not you don't know the lady that cut my hair the other day she said they kept us out of work just long enough and then they said hairstylists are essential she's not a stylist she's just a trimmist for me she said and we didn't get any kind of you know we didn't get any of that government assistance that came out because they sent us back to work as essential so many people around us are hurting we can hold our heads up. We can praise the Lord because we know who's in control. We've read the last chapter. We know, as Kenny just sang, Jesus is coming back and he's going to set all things straight again. A Christian who's always complaining is harmful to the cause of Christ. We know that God wants you and I to be humbly grateful. We're to be humbly grateful for all of God's blessings. I've known too many people in church that are grumbly hateful instead of humbly grateful. I've, you've heard me say before, when I used to hang out places I shouldn't, where people are drinking and doing things they ought not to, far more kind to me than in some churches I have been in, not this one. There's a little girl who 
surprised her mama. She saved her for allowance money. She brought home her mama a nice gift, and she was so proud to give it to her mama. She said, look, mama, I saved this up for you. I saved this up for you, mama, because you worked so hard, and nobody appreciates you like they ought to. And that mother tried to be all humble. So, well, honey, I, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. But, baby, your daddy works hard, too. And she said, Mama, I know that, but he doesn't complain about it. I thought you needed the gift more than he does because you're the only one that complains about it. Our children are watching. What we do in moderation, they will do in excess. Think about Paul and Silas were in that Philippian jail, singing and glorifying and praising the Lord. And that jailer said, what do I got to do? What must I do to be saved? Had they been griping a dead gummit, we're preachers of the gospel. We don't deserve to be in this jail. We didn't commit any crime. We're glorifying God. They didn't do that. They just praised holy God there in that prison. And that's why he asked, what do I need to do to be saved? When we live lives of thanksgiving, not just one Thursday in November, but 365 days a year, people are going to be drawn to that. They may think they're being drawn to you, but that's your opportunity to open your mouth and tell them it ain't you, it's Christ in you. God wants you to use your lives, our lives, to influence other people for the gospel. The old theologian A.W. Tozer said, Among those sins most exquisitely fitted to injure the soul and destroy the testimony, few can equal the sin of complaining. Somebody else said, Complainers are missionaries of misery. They want to spread that ministry wherever they go. I'll never forget, and forgive me if I've shared this with you already, but it just stands out in my mind. We were having what we used to call a youth afterglow when we had Sunday night church. We stayed in the gym with, with youth and, you know, had refreshments, and somebody shared a testimony, and there were so many kids that had to have security. Some of my youth workers were roaming the parking lot. So one of my guys, Ben Atkinson, I just preached his funeral. My best friend God ever gave me went to be with the Lord this year. Ben comes in with a confused look on his face. He'd done security in the parking lot. He said, Mike. I just met a woman out there I've never met, and she told me all about her bowels. Now, excuse me if that offends you. But I said, oh, Brother Ben, don't worry about it. That's so-and-so. And I called her name. He said, how'd you know that? I said, because she complains to everybody about it. What a sad testimony. I don't want to have a testimony like that. I want people to say, that dude has the joy of the Lord. That dude is fired up for Jesus. That dude is excited that Jesus is coming back again. I don't want to be a missionary of misery. So, yes, Thanksgiving is a good time to remind ourselves of how blessed we are. And when we think about how blessed we are, the conviction of the Holy Ghost may fall upon us at how much complainers we had been. Heard about two little boys that were out playing one day, and their mama gave them some grapes. And one little boy said, boy, these are the sweetest grapes I've ever had. The little boy said, yeah, but they're full of seeds. So they went about their way, and they saw some roses. And he said, aren't these beautiful roses? I'm going to pick some roses and take to my mama. The other boy said, well, they're full of thorns. So went up to the little quickie store, the little 7-Eleven, and they got themselves each a Coca-Cola. Y'all know what a Coca-Cola is, Coca-Cola, but we say Coca-Cola in South Georgia. And after a few swallows, one of them said, Dad, gummit, mine's half empty. The other little boy held it up and said, mine's half full. I want to be like the little boy who sees things half full. I want to be like the little boy that just spits out the seeds and thanks God for the sweetness of the grapes. I've met too many Christians that are like the negative little boy in that story or too many Christians who are like the negative complaining Israelites in Scripture. Let's praise God for who he is. Let's praise God for so great a salvation. And if all of this is foreign to you, it may be that you need to have a relationship with Jesus even today. And you will experience, I guarantee you, I'll write it in blood, this will be the best Thanksgiving you've ever had if you give your life to Jesus. If you're unsure of your relationship with the Lord and you surrender to him today, you're going to be able to be thankful. You're going to have those God eyes we talked about and start to see all the blessings that you've been missing before. Look at your conclusion, number one. Is your life characterized more by complaining or thanksgiving? Don't point at anybody. Answer that question for yourself. 
I'm not talking about your wife or your children or your mother-in-law or your neighbor. Is your life characterized more by complaining or thanksgiving? Verse 2, when's the last time you, number 2, not verse 2, when's the last time you sat down and started listing blessings in your life? Like the old song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will show enough surprise you what the Lord has done. You say, well, how much do I need to write? You can't finish. There's no, end, by the, there's no end to that exercise, by the way, because if you just keep thinking about it and seeing things through God, God's eyes, I can write blessings till God calls me home because I'm the most blessed dude I know. I deserve to be in hell today, and I'm preaching the gospel instead. Why do I have any room to complain about that? Number three, write this down. Is your witness for Jesus discredited by your complaining spirit? Is your witness for Jesus discredited by your complaining spirit? Let me give you a little homework. If you go out to lunch today in a restaurant and a server serves you, how many of you remember when gratuity was 10% and I resented the 10%? I'm like, why don't they just add that to my bill? Why I got to do that? And then it was 15%. And now it's 18%. But you know what I try to do if I go out, which is not a lot, but if we do go out, I try to tip 20%. You know why? Because I'm going to leave a tract with them that gives them the gospel. And I've heard too many servers tell me they argue over who has to work on Sunday because Christians coming out of church are so negative and complaining and demanding. I've been out with some of them before. It's humiliating. I remember he's with the Lord now, but one of my favorite all-time evangelists went out to eat with him and his wife. And Boy, I wanted to crawl up under the table. She griped and complained about everything. I didn't want him to know I was a preacher. I didn't want him to know he was an evangelist. Let's, and the, what you say, why are you giving 20%? Not only because I'm going to share the gospel with a little tract with them. They're going to see us praying over our meal, but they're at 50% capacity. Went out to eat in Sonny's down in Buford with our son the other night. There was hardly anybody in there on a Friday night. And that poor waitress talked about how bad their business has been. You know where that is? That's on exit four where people go to the mall of Georgia. Cars everywhere. They hardly have anybody coming in. So if we're going to go out to eat, let's be a good testimony. Let's bless them. Let's encourage them. We went to um, Commerce Outlets yesterday to exchange some things. And we came through a Wendy's. Not healthy for us, I know. But we were in a hurry to get home by 730 to see the ball game. And I'm going to tell you what. That woman at that window, my wife can tell you, she had eyelashes this long. She should have been serving up, she, instead of serving up food, she was serving up attitude. And boy, I just thought, golly, people are fighting for a job and not get, you know, they're not getting paid. They want more hours. And this woman can't even be polite to us. I'm just confessing my first reaction. That blonde-headed lady over there, she just gushed all over that woman with kindness. Man, it convicted me because here I am irritated by them. I'm like, oh, thank you. You have a blessed day. She just does that to people wherever we go. I want to be more like my wife. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to go out of my way to bless people rather than complain and act like I'm entitled to something when I go through the drive-thru at Wendy's. Who knows what that woman had been through? Maybe her husband lost his job because he's been laid off. Maybe she's got a wayward child and we may be the only Jesus she ever saw yesterday. Number four, are you sure that your life has been set free from the chains that hold you down? Are you sure that your life has been set free from the chains that hold you? I think we're going to sing about that amazing grace in just a moment, how our chains, my chains are gone. I've been set free. And when you know you've been set free, how you sing songs like we just did without praise just gushing up out of your heart? If, you are bored, if you're bored in worship, let me give you a hint. There's something wrong with your heart. If, the, if it's not even your favorite song or you don't like it, if the lyrics are about the Lord and they lift him up and remind you of how blessed you are, man, that ought to overflow in praise and thanksgiving. 
I don't remember who, where I got this quote from. It's an old one, obviously, from the language. It says, when thou hast thanked thy God for every blessing sent, what time will then remain for murmurs or lament? Not just Thursday. I'm going to thank God for that dressing. I've been exercising, lost a little bit of weight, but I'm just going to have to ask for forgiveness probably. Through, I'm going to try to be better than I usually do. I'm going to thank God for all that. I'm going to thank God for my family. I'm going to thank God that I don't live in a state where I'm told can't but 10 of you meet together. I'm going to thank God for that. But I want to be thankful every day of my life. I want to be praising the Lord when they close the casket, when my heartbeat has had its final beat. I want to be praising the Lord as I walk through the gates of glory. I want to be pointing other people to Jesus because I have an attitude of gratitude to the one who saved my soul. Would you pray with me, church? I know that might not have been a Thanksgiving message that you expected, but we are so blessed in this country. We have lived in the weirdest year that most of us, if not all of us, have ever lived in. But even in the weirdness, even in the uncertainty, my goodness, we have stuff to be thankful for. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. But God does. Are you sure of your salvation? Listen, if you constantly have a critical spirit, that's a, that's a red flag waving that something ain't right. Maybe you need to ask the Lord to forgive you for that griping and complaining, creating you a clean heart, renew a right spirit within you. Or maybe it means you've never been born again. Pastor Mike challenged us last Sunday morning. Y'all remember our homework? Share the gospel with somebody this week. I was able to share with two different guys. Both of them told me they knew the Lord. Only God knows their heart. But boy, defeated, discouraged, one of them addicted by alcohol, but they both said they know the Lord. I pray that if you do know Jesus, if you're like the two guys I talked to this week that said they were saved, but you've had a negative attitude, let this be a brand new beginning. You get that stuff right with Jesus this morning at Airline before you meet with your family for Thanksgiving this week. Maybe you say, oh, preacher, listen, you don't know what I've been through. And listen, please, please, hear my heart I'm never I never want to minimize the hurts and the heartaches that people are going through I don't want to minimize that the Bible says there's a time to weep there's a time to cry there's a time to laugh there's a time to mourn I get there's different seasons for different things but even in my weeping even in my mourning I can be thankful only because of what Jesus has done in my heart are you absolutely certain of your salvation has there ever been a time in your life when you were set free? You could sing with Chris Tomlin that, about that amazing grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Has that ever happened to you? If not, I'm not inviting you to sign up for a 12-week course. I'm not asking you to buy some book. I'm asking you to trust God's book. God's book says if we confess our sins and we're all sinners in need of a Savior, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a promise that God allows U-turns for Christians. If you're not a child of God, you know you're a sinner. You know God's holy, and you know you're separated from God because of that sin that we all have. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart that God really did raise him from the dead, you too can be saved for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. Does it mean I always have a good attitude? Nope. Does it mean I live a perfect life? Nope. I'd have been disqualified a long time ago. 
but it means I know the man who saved me and my soul's desire, even when I don't act like it ought to be, to please him and live for an audience of one. If you've never been saved, we invite you to give your life to Jesus today. There's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. If you say, Mike, I've been saved, but I've never made that public. I've never taken that next step of following through in believer's baptism. You know, baptism is the next step of obedience for somebody who's given their life to Jesus. It's a means of saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. You don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you do have to be baptized to be obedient. It's a command of the Great Commission. You want to be baptized, come and talk to one of us. You've been praying, looking for a church that you can unite and serve the Lord with as we get ready to close out 2020 and trust God for a great 2021. As we're slowly starting to open things up, God will be able to open up downstairs our new classroom soon. You want to be a part of a church that's serious about God's Word. You want to be a part of a church that's serious about sharing the gospel. Come and talk to one of us. We'll tell you how you can become a member of Airline. Father, in this time of invitation, I pray that every one of us, starting with me, will examine our hearts. Number one, we'll make sure of our salvation. Number two, we'll make sure that we do have an attitude of gratitude, that we do have those God eyes, those bush eyes the missionary talked about, that we can see the blessings that only a child of God can see. And Lord, when we see them, I pray you'll move us to testify and tell of your goodness to those that don't see them. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You know this very familiar song. Let's stand together. If everything's all right between you and the Lord, you just, let's just worship. If you need to come and pray privately, maybe you need to come and pray for a loved one you're going to see Thursday. They're not, there's no evidence of salvation in their life. You're scared to death to share the gospel. You want to come and pray for God to give you boldness. A neighbor or a friend or a co-worker, come and pray for boldness. You want to pray and ask God to forgive you of that sin of complaining and ask God to give you an attitude of gratitude. You just come and pray. We don't judge anybody's heart who comes down here to pray. You just do what God tells you to do, all right, as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me.
If you're thankful for that amazing grace, say amen. amen. If your chains are gone and you've been set free, say amen. Amen. If I ask you to bark at a Georgia game, you'd have done it better than that, but I'll just leave it at that, all right? Be seated for just a moment. Pastor Chase is going to come, but let me give you a personal invitation for next Sunday morning. You have friends that are not going to come hear a preacher preach, but we have a free concert. People pay to buy tickets to go to these concerts. A dear friend to me and my wife, Mike LeFevre, the LeFevre Quartet, LeFevre family. Who remembers Eva May LeFevre? That was his, I think, great aunt or aunt. You went to church with her, didn't you, Pat? You went to church with Eva May, Mylon LeFevre, who remembers of Mylon LeFevre. The LeFevre family still singing gospel music. Mike and his son and a few other guys. They'll be here as our guests next Sunday morning. No ticket required. No admission required. It's, it's the Lord's Day. Let's just come and worship. Now, we'll ask you to pray about giving them a generous love offering. You know, during the time of COVID, when we weren't able to be here, our people were awesome. You continued to give the tithes and offerings online, but many people like Mike LaFever and Karen Peck and some of our favorite gospel artists, they weren't able to do concerts, and they suffered during that time. I pray that, I know they're going to bless us. I know Mike will have to know that. I pray we'll bless Mike LaFever and the LaFever Quartet next week. But you bless a lost person. You bless an unchurched person by inviting them to be here next Sunday morning. Pastor Chase, come tell us some more exciting well, stuff. Amen. That is exciting. Definitely hope to see you back next week. In fact, if you're a first-time guest, I messed up. I didn't invite you. I mean, I didn't welcome you during our welcome time. I was just so excited about worship that I just wanted to keep worship going. So I apologize about that. So if you're a first-time guest, we're glad you're here. In fact, you can go back and meet with our pastor and his wife back in the back. We have a small gift just to thank you for joining with us in worshiping. And in fact, if you're a first-time guest, you've been here for a long time, maybe it's your first time you're back in person with us, I want everybody to pull your phone out, because I forgot to do this too, just pull your phone out, and of course text our new uh, check-in service, you can text ALBC Connects, all one word, to 77411, I threw it up on the screen, I was, I was trying to stall before I forgot the number, but ALBC Connect to 77411, just check in, let's get a record of your visit, join us, you can do that right on your cell phone. And like the pastor said, we're about to be dismissed um, shortly. But uh, of course, we're gonna. We've got our, our ministry plan that, that our that our finance, uh, our stewardship team, our finance team have, have worked hard, prayed over, put a lot of uh, energy and, and prayer in, into this as we as we chart out where do we go. Um, so those are available. If you didn't get one, you can get one as you leave. Pray over that. That's the most important thing you can do. It's not just numbers on a page, but pray over those numbers. Um, and then of course we will. Um, vote on that in the coming uh, weeks. So one more thing, the boxes to Boston. We are still full steam ahead. Um, you have this, this full next week to deliver your box along with $5 um, here to the church. I see a few up here. Um, we, we're almost there. We've got a few I know still withstanding. You can um, give your the $5 online or you give it to me in person or just drop it in the offering plate. Um, that just covers the transportation cost. So um, if you haven't turned your box in, I like that. You can keep playing that if you want to. So, yeah, if you haven't turned your box in right there, uh, you can bring it by this this next week. Um, throughout the week, I'll be here, meet with me. In fact, what I want to do really quick, I know we don't have all the boxes with us, um, but we've got most of them. In fact, if your box is still at home, we're going to pray over these as we dismiss because I think each one of these boxes is going to go and have an impact on, on, on a kid's life, an impact on a child's life for, for the gospel. I think that, that this is more than just toys and, and gifts and trinkets, but I think the, 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 the way these are going to be distributed, they're going to be distributed in such a way 
that a, a, a child, a, a, an immigrant child from, from a country, a war-torn country who may never have heard of Jesus may get this box right here. And because of that, let that be the catalyst for an, a radical introduction to, to someone that can, that can change their life. So I want everybody really quick, we're not going to come down here because of COVID and all that stuff, but I want everybody to stand up. We're going to do something a little bit wild, I know. We're going to stand up, and I want everybody to take your hand, and I want you to put your hand out like that. We're going to pray over from where you at. Take it, yeah, just like that. Yeah. Um, so let's pray. We're going to pray over these boxes. All right, ready? Dear God, we, 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 we thank you, Father, for forgiving us so much. God, for giving us your word. God, and, 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 and allowing us to, to be born and to live in the place where we're at, God, in this, this Bible belt. God, from, from where many of us, we were introduced to you at an early age. Maybe we, we, we came to know you later in life, God, but we, we have a place where we can come and worship you every week. God, but we recognize that that's not the reality for some people. God, they, they, weren't, they weren't coming to children's church. They weren't going to children's worship. Their parents didn't drag them to church. God, they, they, their, their number one concern is where is my next meal coming from? God, I don't have any clothes to wear. So, so, so God, it's our prayer today that these boxes that we've, we've, we've gathered and, and, and packed with love God, and we pack stuff in it to send off somewhere, they will have an impact, God, not just monetarily or not just with, with, with items, God, but we will have an impact for your kingdom. That, that, that these boxes are, are, are not just toys and trinkets, God, introduce people to your love who have no clue about it. God, allow these to have an impact you and be with each and every person in this sanctuary and God in this auditorium they will go out and have an impact for your kingdom it's in your name we pray amen uh listen of, of course don't forget it's thanksgiving so no services this coming week on wednesday night um and have a great thanksgiving and we'll, we'll see you back oh one more go see the pastor yeah i said that yeah you can, you can be dismissed <laughs>